0: the rich, feed the poor, tell old, rich
1: no more. I to the well,
2: there you go, starting off the old show again. I think today is the uh, second of the month of September, uh, our two-hour daily weekday, anyway, get-together here. Uh, The Radio Ranch, we call it, our conversational dialogue, intellectual exchange of ideas at a high-level session, and we do it right here at the People's Patriot Network, and I'm glad to have a bunch of folks on as we get started in the mornings now. That's real nice, and I'm liking Jitsi, and a a little bit of my bad, what I really need to do is to start doing more regular conversations on the platform off when, when it's not on the air, and we're all together, and I can learn everything if there's all kinds of nuances to this little platform. I'm sure there's all kinds of little options and settings and stuff, and I have just hadn't played with them because when I'm here with you guys, I mean, I concentrate about 100% like a laser beam for two hours, and people don't know that that's very, it's very draining on you. You know, you'd think somebody's just sitting there talking, and it's not that, but you got to concentrate on everything else. Uh, so anyway, I'd like to do that at some point, maybe learn the platform might be some little – whatever, so we can play with it. Who knows? But certainly glad to have all 'all. y'all. It looks like Paul is with us. As of yet, he might pop in any time. Never know. He's always welcome, of course. Um, But there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, As we led up to the show, Chris, uh, who's already on board, we were talking about right there as we led up to the show, Chris.
3: Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, over on the other station that I frequently attend before you come on, and sometimes after we go off, uh, they were doing a hear ye, hear ye and announcing Brent Allen winners and Ted Weiland's upcoming constitutional battle royale in uh, Everton, Missouri on Saturday, September the 19th from 630 to 930. I think that's central time, but uh, you can, I think you go to. Uh, uh, Constitutionbattle.org or something like that. I've got it here somewhere. I'll look for okay, it and give it, it to you. Look for it. Look, as we go over.
2: Over. look for it for a second. Let me see if the A is Amanda with us this morning. Is A Amanda?
1: No, Roger. This
2: is Alan. Hey, Alan. Okay. Thought you might be Amanda. I was going to reference back. Well, Alan, since I got you, you're relatively new. Are you familiar with Ted Weiland, Pastor Ted Weiland?
0: No, I
1: don't believe I am. No okay, deal. well,
2: get your pencil out. Here's something else, a reference for you. You'll want to explore this, and there's a an absolutely fabulous resource. Well, a lot of them, but one of them in particular, I'm super familiar with. Ted Weiland. He when when we used to have. Uh, I'm too bad. Too bad we didn't know you back when I was in Atlanta, because we used to have a circuit preacher out of North Carolina, James Bruggeman. Uh, stone kingdom ministries.org is james's website and he would be in atlanta once a month and because of atlanta being atlanta and what it is he would have uh when he had gatherings he'd have them there and so i was privy to a a number of things he held there and he'd have guest people in and one of them was ted wyland he and ted wyland are big buddies ted wyland was a uh, professional rodeo guy and did real well and got religion and uh, when he retired he started writing books and the book that influenced me so heavily it is one of the finest research books that i've had my hands on in all these years when it comes to this jewish issue and zionist issue amazingly Ooh. enough and his 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 website is mission to org. mission to, not the letter, but spelled out, mission dot israelorg And he's got a number of books on there that are very good. Uh, but the one that hit me so hard many years ago uh, when I met him and read it for the first time is a book called God's Chosen People, Yesterday, Today, and Forever. And I think you can get the, the paper back for about 10 bucks. It's worth getting the hardback because... If you're where you got a library like Daryl, this thing is rich, rich with research stuff. And part of the reason is not only the material, of course, but the way he presents it and the way he laid it out. And by that, what I mean is, uh, in, in fact, what I'd suggest if anybody's going to read this book, unless you're really steeped in the scripture and spiritually, I would skip the first five five chapters, I believe, and start on chapter 6, and when you finish the book, then go back and read the first five chapters. It'll give it much more perspective for you. But what Ted did in that book was he takes all these issues and he lays them out side by side like a, like a thing he's probably going to try and do with Brent. And uh, he gives you all these quotes and resources from the Jewish side, and then he gives you it from our side. And the real useful part about this in your learning and understanding, or if you're showing people stuff, is not there's 55 pages in small print of references in the back. But the most valuable thing is it's got a cross index in there at the back where you can go in and pick out any of these words, anti-Semitism, whatever you want, and it'll tell you every time in the book where it's mentioned. And you can go back and really pinpoint issues from their mouths. I remember one of the ones that sticks with me that comes back to me often was a quote from some guy in, the, in like Madison Avenue context. And he said, the term Judeo-Christian is the greatest public relations coup of the 20th century. So that's a real good reference. He and Brent, our own Brent Winters, on Fridays anyway, are, are, are going to have a court. They were supposed to have it back in, when was it, Chris, February or March of this year? Uh,
3: I don't know. About the time the COVID hit, must yeah. have been March or April, I guess.
2: Well, it, it it threw a hitch right in the in the trial giddy-up, this COVID st- stuff it did. that it was going to be in Missouri. Still Missouri. Oh, it's still having the same place. I thought they were going to talk about maybe moving it to Arizona. Okay, well it's in Missouri, and uh, there's going to be folks that are going to drive up there. I think Daryl's threatening to drive up there, um, or was back then. Um, but they're going to get together and uh, argue, and the uh, the court issue is is the constitutional, uh, godly document, if I believe, isn't that right, Chris?
3: Yes, is the Constitution a biblical not, uh, document or not is pretty much what it's called. Uh, it uh, It's definitely a debate between the two of them. Uh, Mr. Wyland has taken the prosecution role that it's not, and Mr. Winters is defending it that it is. Uh, affirmative. I would, On September the nineteenth, uh, right. uh, and as a matter of fact, it's supposed to be free online and free to attend. I right. think and, they're going to be surprised about the attendees.
2: Yeah, I, I, I know they wanted to stream it. Well, you know, and I just wish. And of course, that was many years ago when I knew Ted, and it was a totally different context. A weekend, he's a speaker. There's a bunch of people around. You don't have any kind of a chance to talk about the stuff we talk about here and the impact and effect of it. And back then, quite frankly, I didn't know it all. I mean, I didn't. I knew very. very. Very little back in those days. That was probably, oh, mid to late 90s. I mean, I had a good idea, but I didn't have any. I I, I had the parameters, but I didn't have my arms around it too much but i kept going because i knew there was something of great substance there and many of our new people maybe like alan uh, uh he, 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 when this crosses your path you don't understand it because you haven't been exposed to all this high level stuff that you don't know about but you sense in your heart and in your fiber of your soul that there's something of great substance there and that's why you move forward looking into it that's what i believe anyway Uh, and, uh, so that means that you got to touch the right people. Okay. Now this morning is very interesting. Somebody sent me, I don't remember who, one of the listeners, um, thank you for for all the stuff you send me. I get a lot of really interesting stuff that I know I wouldn't have stumbled on otherwise, but this was, and this be good news for the folks, uh, is Aladask is, uh, throwing the periscope up and he did an interview on YouTube with a guy I'm not familiar with and I haven't gotten into it totally yet let me turn that thing down uh and uh, but I did get into the first part of it and one thing that Al was talking about and Al sounds good by the way I guess he sounds like he's still in the Dallas Fort Worth area and um he was saying you know I've been doing this for 30 or 40 years and It it, most people don't understand it. He said it's the very rare person that grasps onto it, and of course that's what I echo too, because it's my exact same experience. But I I am hopeful always. Either we got a strong nucleus of people. You got to remember my goal here. Many ten years ago, twelve years ago, as I had this even basic at that point i had my arms around it pretty good but uh my main goal this whole thing was one goal and that was to get the information into the public domain now we've done that we accomplished that sold 450 books first day okay so we did that right off the bat well then what do you do when you achieve a goal you try and reset it and uh, I, uh, of course, tried to do that, push through a little bit, and realize that you keep hitting your head against the wall, and at some point you realize that you're going to quit because it feels so damn good when you stop. And at that moment was when I just turned it over to God. I said, look, I've taken it this far, and uh, if, you need to open the door. okay. So what do we do till the door is open as we sit here and mark time and sharpen iron with iron and sharpen our game? Uh, but so that's how this little forum has developed it wasn't my idea it's just evolved and i really really like it personally i like it from a host standpoint i love having all you folks on here where we can have these inter interactions and exchanges and and help clarify people because if somebody's unclear on a point and we get on here i guarantee you there are other people out there in the audience that are unclear on the same point that would have never asked the question and the people that do understand all going over that like we did a bit of yesterday just goes back and strengthens those lessons on origin, history, what it is, and that shows you how they're applying it, and all of that stuff helps you get back into consciousness that you're the one that has the power. You're the one that has the power here. It's been fraudulently stolen from you, and you've been tricked into agreeing with it and becoming psychologically tainted to the fact where you're still tethered with a shackle even though it may be invisible. Now, yeah, i got a couple of people joined us. Somebody's rustling around there in the background. Anybody uh, hey, want to chime in? i got something for you, Roger.
3: This morning, on the same program that I heard Brent's commercial, they had J.R. Nyquist, jrnyquist.com or .org. He's an intel researcher and a pretty sophisticated and well-knowledgeable investigator and researcher. And he was talking about something back in 1997 done by the – Uh, RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and their um, intelligence division called the Sidewinder Report and it was talking about the Chinese amassing infiltration under the guise of investors and entrepreneurs in in Canada and it was very troubling and of course it's gotten much worse then there's reports that they've got somewhere between 25 and 60,000 or more troops in Canada And it appears that although we're being diverted and posed to look at the Russian threat, that the Chinese threat may be more imminent. And we know they have also presences in Mexico on the borders, as well as the Presidio in California and perhaps the, um, oh, is that Sebastian Gorka? Uh, And perhaps the uh, west, the east coast over um, near the ship docks and stuff down in the Virginia and Maryland area. No.
2: That doesn't seem to be an immediate concern to me, personally. I don't know. Uh, But they are, without a doubt, the enemy. And our great enemy, who we talk about that's enslaved us here constantly, one of their favorite tricks is to use deflection. Look over there, not over here. And there's all your concentration on Russia. I was going to say yesterday when we were touching on China, but we ran out of time, and then I saw it mentioned and alluded to again last night. China and Russia are having all kinds of problems, okay? They ain't joined at the hip buddies like they used to be. They've got territorial disputes up in the north around Vladivostok and some areas that were Chinese that ended up being Russian that the Chinese have sent their workers over there to work because there ain't no work in China up there. And also recently, now this is very telling, really. Putin, you know that, I think it's an S-400 missile system. It's the missile system. S-500. Well, whatever, four, five, six hundred—it's one of those, and it's that one that the Israelis are even scared of, because when they stuck them over in Syria, they Israel almost had a hissy fit. If y'all will remember when they were trying to bomb Syria here a few years ago, well, it's that missile, okay? And they sold a bunch to China, and they delivered some but they stopped delivery of the rest of the order within the last couple of weeks. And the, the other, the ones, they go down and sign a deal for the same missile with who? India. And they're delivering them to India. So uh, there's, well, some, there, 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 there's some real uh, uh, divergence back then and, um, uh, from this traditional Russia-China alliance. Daryl, I heard you come in and breathe heavy there. How you doing this morning? Did you get all your work done yesterday?
4: No, but I'm uh, I'm gonna be here anyway. Okay. So good morning. We're good. We're good. Uh, Ooh, yeah. uh, thanks for, thanks for the, prioritizing. Hey. Us. Yeah, well, it's it's hot and humid out there, so I <laughs> I'm I'm gonna defray, defer for a little I'm gonna demure for a while here. Um uh, so <clears throat> Uh, yeah, um, Ted Weiland. Ted Weiland has a book that, uh, if if you're actually interested in th- this thing called the Constitution, and uh, you you want to get a uh, an accessibly intellectually and mentally accessible uh, PhD level dissertation specifically that's footnoted uh, has a contents, reference, and bibliography you will get the following book. Uh, It's called Bible Law versus the United States Constitution. Ted R. Weiland. I've I've actually spoke with him, had several email conversations, and I bought 10 of the books. Uh, I actually give them to people who I will read them. (laughs) And uh, so I I actually gave them to a uh, a local pastor who started to ask questions. So anyway, uh, it's, it's going to be a, a really good uh, debate uh, between Ted and Brent. Um, of course, I have the highest respect for both these men uh, as much as I can any man. And uh, uh, Brent's going to have his hands full
2: i tell you, Ted's got another very good, these are big books that we're talking about. The one I mentioned, and I believe how, how big is the one you're talking about? The, is, Cause I haven't seen that.
4: Well, it's, uh, it's, it's right at, including the bibliography. It's, uh, 564 okay. pages. Yeah. Pretty good. Book. And it's hardback. Yeah, it's a nice hardback book. It's extremely, extremely well, uh, manufactured book, uh, so I, I highly recommend it. It uh, it actually uh, coincides and dovetails quite well. Uh, here, here's the corroborating support information on Ted's thesis is Michael Gaddy. Uh, Michael Gaddy's deep, deep, deep research on the original fo- source foundations and, and internal communications and letters between these people that uh, a lot of people like to call the founders, their their daddies, uh, supports um, and even in some cases goes farther than Ted's research. Uh, well, partly because Michael's had access to information and personal letters between these uh, so-called founders. So, um, the uh, <clears throat> so. Uh, it, it, it'll be a, it'll be a fascinating, uh, conversation. Uh, I'd like to attend it, uh, for a number of reasons, get a chance to meet both those guys.
2: So, uh, I'll tell you what, it's yeah.
4: also, he's got
2: another one I'm familiar with. He's quite prolific. Ted is. And, but he's got a real good. And the reason I ask you, is that a big book? Cause this one is not, it's a small book and it's on Romans uh, 13. And that misuse yes. of that phrase—that's a, that's a very good and that's a very common argument that comes up with people if you're talking in these circles with anybody that can rub even half a brain cell together, so they'll bring that up, uh, and that well, puts it in total full context and understanding.
4: If, if I might, if I might, uh, I would like to comment on Romans thirteen, and. Uh, Romans 13 is uh, context, the context of the content of Romans 13 has been tortured, scripturally, uh, grammatically tortured uh, to yield a, a, an effect and a reasoning that allows people to acquiesce and become subservient. Okay, this 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 uh, facilitates the, this this interpretation, doctor, doctrinal theological interpretation of the application of that uh, has to be tortured out of context in order to give you the reason, the supportive reasoning and rationalization to be a coward to be a slave, to be a subject, okay, Uh, who's your daddy, okay, so, Chris,
3: there's a very interesting fellow on the History Channel, I can't remember his name, but he's a researcher and an archaeologist over in Israel, and he talks about the Pauline doctrines, which is where the uh, Romans 13 comes from. And this is also the nonsense of the amazing, let's see, what's his name that wrote the, uh, that came up with the Judeo-Christos mythos. Uh, oh, I should be able to tell you his name. It's escaping my mind right now. But he was the drunken writer that was hired by the Zionists to write this tripe about the so-called raptured, ruptured doctrine and the, uh, Schofield gods or theosophistry Schofield. of the Judeo-Christophism. Cyrus Schofield. That's the one. Yeah.
4: Uh, yeah. Chris, Edel- where did otherwise say, known as claptrap. Where'd you say you
2: claptrap. saw that over on the Holocaust channel? Never mind. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, well, yeah, 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 the, the Haas story channel. Yeah. Oh, listen, I wanted
2: to mention this. I don't know where I saw it, who was speaking on it, but they were in a, a, pretty much of a, you know, somebody's been in the trenches on this holocaust stuff for many years, and they were talking about Faison in France and Ernst Zundel and all the people that have been thrown in jail, and the guy recently where not only was he thrown in jail, they threw his lawyer in jail. Uh, at the same time, for something she did in court, <laughs> in uttering, did you and your attorney did- even uttering these these falsities, well, in the conversation, the guy mentioned another really European high-profile Holocaust researcher, and I wasn't familiar with the guy, but he was under pro- persecution there, and he was afraid he was going to get arrested in Austria or someplace there in that part of Europe, and he fled to the Soviet Union and moved to St. Petersburg and they've given him total open authority into the Russian archives. So we're going to find out some kind of truth on the whole hoax here in the future at some point, if they don't kill him. If they don't kill him. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was, (laughs) I thought that was inspiring. Um, I noticed there was an, uh, a headline on a Zero Hedge this morning from some banker saying, the central banks are buying gold. There's going to be a gold reset. <laughs> and uh, I said, yep, I think that's probably pretty about right. Uh, we got a nice board here. Um, I, I wanted to mention as we were getting into that uh, bit about Romans 13, I hadn't talked about it in a while. For I was never familiar with it until I heard Pastor Pete uh talking about it one night and he used to sell this version of the Bible I bought one and I've always found it to be incredibly accurate and Alan I told you when James Bruggeman would come through well, we we attended his church for years on once a month had a lot a nice group there nice wonderful people and um, he was into like Brent learning Hebrew and and Greek and going back to the original manuscripts and preparing his lessons and there I, there were a number of times when he would come to words that had uh, different translations. I remember one of them was the word Gehenna. And Gehenna is only mentioned a couple of times, and it was the dump outside of Jerusalem. And that's where the King James, they called it, the King James translators called it hell. Okay.
3: Uh, in fact, jihana was more accurately the burning pit of human excrement.
2: Okay, well, be that as it may, it was uh, uh, what they basically labeled as hell in, in one of these you know, nuances of translation. Well, uh, there was, I had this Bible, and I think Amanda's with us. Amanda, are you there? Some of the newer folks, Alan's with us. Um, I am here. Okay. Are you I'm familiar? here. I'm
5: just uh, listening.
2: To okay. Well, sport. we're glad you're there, and it's always nice to have the feminine side on this bunch here. Uh, are you familiar with the... <laughs> Thank uh, you. Are you familiar with the Farrar Fenton Bible?
5: No, I'm not.
2: Have you ever I heard of it? I use the Sepher Have you ever heard of it? No. You need to people. need to look at this Bible. Uh, it is. Uh, it's the. Bible in real English, and it's an amazing story behind it. Okay, it almost makes you cry, really. And this guy, uh, Farrar Fenton, was in the mid 1800s, and he was kind of an atheist kind of guy when he was younger. And he got into Oxford and stuff, and he got very interested in spirituality because he thought, and he came to the conclusion that the reason England was going off track was because the old King James version was in such antiquated English that they couldn't understand it. And so he started to translate the Bible from the original Greek. And he started that. It was his lifetime effort. He was a very successful guy. He was successful in all kinds of business activities. But throughout his entire life, he kept working on this translation. And what he would do back in those days when he came on one of these words like Gehenna, like we just mentioned, and there's some question in the translation, back in those days you had to write letters, okay? And he would write a letter to every Greek known Greek scholar in the world and had an ongoing relationship with him o- over these times and he would not take his translation any further until he got back all of the responses and decided on the response to move forward with and that's part of the reason it took him so long uh, but it is an incredible incredibly well done Bible and the reason I tell you that from the translation is over a couple of years of attending James Bruggeman's services me and another guy, I think he's left us now, he was a Green Beret guy from Vietnam, used to medic in helicopters. His name was Arden, Arden, and he was a really nice guy, and he had a Farrar Fenton also. And whenever there was a question in the middle of James' a sermon on one of these words, and they'd stop the sermon, he'd give us all the options and all that stuff, and it was every time the Farrar Fenton was correct. Every time that ever happened, and it, it, that had happened, and Arden and I look at each other across wherever we were sitting, we'd look at each other and just go, "Wow!" But that is an incredible Bible. You can download it free online. If you want to buy it, I can probably source it out. I think ScripturesForAmerica.org, Pete Peter's old network, is uh, probably still sells it. Did you ever have you seen any of Pete Peter's stuff, Amanda? No. Pastor Pete Peters is is not with us anymore either. I think the guy was a prophet, all right? And I used to listen to him regularly every night on shortwave, went to some of his confabs up in Nashville one time, and a uh, heck of a guy. When Bill Clinton got elected and Janet Butch Reno was his attorney general, remember then? All those years ago? Yep. They named him the number one most dangerous man in America. Pastor Pete Peters of the LaPorte, Colorado Church of Christ. <laughs> uh, and you can go and access some him and his work. Because they've got all of his broadcasts up there on the website. They've got people that preserve and I guess sell his stuff and everything. Uh, it's scripturesforamerica.org scriptures for he was a fantastic pastor with the gift to break things down from their complex into very simple spiritual biblical messages and he was very powerful or else bill clinton and janet reno wouldn't have named him the most dangerous man in america are those are some of the people that have paved the path to have gotten where we are, and I like to go back and find people like you guys that are relatively new that aren't familiar with them and their work and more, even more so their contribution at that time. Okay. Bill Cooper came up the other day. Pastor Pete Peters is another one. Here's the one that doesn't come up too much in the political and really even more so in the health field, Amanda, is Tom Valentine. Are you familiar with him? I guess she's. Still, I know she's messing around. No, nope. uh, he's another another guy. Used to have be on shortwave radio two or three hours a night, and down lived down there by you in South Florida. Real, real, real health nut, and also political stuff. And I saw a lot of, uh, heard a lot of very, very valuable interviews on uh, Tom Valentine regularly. So. Back in those days, the, the lineup was three hours of Tom Valentine, and then you had Pete Peters, and then you had Bill Cooper on WWCRs—like five hours of Patriot stuff where you couldn't get it anywhere else. Okay, but th- those are those are resources worth looking into. So I've been running on for a bit. Anybody got any questions or comments? Golly gee. Well, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, they're trying to do everything they can to shut down any news on that incident, evidently. Uh, to the point of even uh, Lynn Wood, by the way, from Atlanta, has joined his legal team. I don't know if he's taken over the case, working with the other guy that was on the TV the other night with Tucker or what. But Lynn Wood is the, uh, for those of you who don't know, his name is becoming real prominent. I, it it took a trigger point. I remembered it from back in the old days, and then he had evidently just gone on for many years and not had any high profile cases that we'd seen. But boy, he got some now and uh, Lynn Wood originally came to the forefront back in 1996 in Atlanta when the Olympics and the Olympic bomber incident happened. Richard Jewell was that guy. Remember that incident, Chris? Okay, I guess Chris is off feeding the dog a bone. So Richard Jewell, he stepped up and took Richard Jewell's spot. I believe he took that case pro bono. Okay? Uh, 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 And so... uh, he represented and got Richard Jewell off. They made a movie about it, I believe, and uh, how they tried to persecute that poor guy. And then he was asunder for a while. Well, he all, then recently he's the one that got a hold of Nick Sandman, and he got that half a half a what five hundred million dollar or more settlement out of just the Washington Post and CNN. And he's continuing to sue them because they're continuing to run their damn stupid mouths, okay? And now he's taken on the Kyle Rittenhouse case. So, uh, Lynn Wood out of Atlanta, good attorney, obviously. No, nobody's got anything they want to talk about? Alan, did you go, <laughs> did you go look at the Sabbateans? Did you go look at 1666 yet? And Amanda, did you catch that the other day?
5: I wrote it down.
2: Okay, we're, let me ask you because we really ask Alan. Just right, did, were you are you familiar with the Sabbateans and the Jacob Franks and that influence on what we're de- dealing with today?
5: No, I'm not.
2: Okay, well yeah, make sure but you I did hi- make
5: notes of it.
2: Well, you go. You, this won't take you but a few minutes when you get a second, and it, this is real important <laughs> stuff for your understanding. 1666 colon. Redemption through sin. Go look it up on YouTube. You'll be shocked.
4: Yep. Well, (laughs) I, uh, I just, I just had a new book delivered yesterday. It's uh, by Samuel Roth. Oh yeah. And uh, the title of the book is, Jews must live. Uh, It's an account of the persecution of the world by Israel on all frontiers of civilization. And it's written by the, uh, a a Jewish man named Sammy Roth, who is, uh, responsible for the uh, freedom of speech initiatives, uh, surrounding pornography. Uh, and, uh, he, uh, He set the precedent and established and and trying to, uh, in the cultural subversion uh, with uh, pornography in a landmark case in 1957, which was the uh, year of my birth. So for going on the last 64 years, there has been a perpetual, my entire life, there's been a perpetual cultural subversion onslaught starting uh, well, that's as good as date as any, because that's that was a part of the Supreme Court decision. But um, uh, of the uh, of the pornographers now uh, what, working with the users. Now, what uh, was Samuel c- Roth? Samuel Roth wrote this book because he was very upset that his fellow his fellow Jews had treated him poorly. So, in in his vindictive nature he he wrote a book exposing them
2: and what was going on at the same time that was parallel to that that was setting setting things up laying the foundation starting the initiative the kinsey report uh
4: culturally or legally culturally. oh yeah the right kinsey report yeah going so right along
2: parallel uh, like yeah, a railroad track with that yeah. see and when was all yeah. that in the Kin- late 50s and what had just happened Brown versus Board of Education, and the trap door was slammed.
4: Yeah, well, this is this is during the period of Dwight D. Eisenhower, who's a uh, has a completely uh, misunderstand, misunderstood uh, uh, history as well. Uh, so uh, this is uh, this is the forerunner to uh, the Cultural Revolution. Of the 60s, of course, during the 60s, um, we, we have the, the Catholic church, uh, was doing some, uh, very powerful work at that time during the 50s and 60s. Uh, it was, it was a code, there was a code in place where you, you couldn't show certain, uh, uh, you know, bare breasts, naked, uh, even, mm-hmm. even messages and mm-hmm. films. And, uh. The uh, the Catholic Church basically enforces until uh, uh, they came out with a, a movie called The Pawnbroker. Uh, Hollywood came out with a movie called The Pawnbroker, which broke the uh, production code and was the first time that uh, there had been allowed uh, a visual for the general cinema for a naked breast and. Uh, the actor, the main actor in the movie, was Rod Steiger, and uh, the woman whose breast was exposed was a black prostitute. And they they broke they were able to break the code of the uh, production code based upon having a a holocaust premise. Uh, the pawnbroker was a survivor of the holocaust. And so since then, it must be art. And uh, from that point forward, the code that had been imposed, production code imposed by the Catholic Church, was uh, destroyed, opening the door for more uh, filth. And uh, guys like uh, Hugh Hefner and uh, Larry Flynn and... Uh, uh, too many to name now. So
2: uh, that guy, what was the yeah. guy that had Screw Magazine Goldstein or something that was kind of the progenitor of a lot of that industry. I think he died recently, thank God.
4: Yeah. Well, uh, uh Sammy Roth is credited with the uh being the uh uh the progenitor uh, uh, if you will. Uh Goldstein and a number of these people picked it up afterwards. You know, I mean, Sammy Roth started this. Sammy Roth had been arrested and, and imprisoned uh, a number of times through the uh, 30s and 40s, you know, uh, by producing uh, pornography. And,
2: uh, you know, so, as, as you get to that, stage, you know, the, the next uh, stage, yeah. this is my time. I'm about 10 years older than you, nine, I guess. Uh, And in the 60s, in college, all that stuff started happening in Vietnam, all the all the assassinations, Martin Luther King, the Kennedys, all of the stuff on campus, which was mild compared to what we see now on the demonstrations and Patty Hearst and the Black Panthers and, you know, all that whole time. Right. That was so transformative in the country. And a lot of it instituted by these same forces of course I think Tavistock came more into play in the music aspect of this in the 60s but I've always looked back I've looked back at it a lot of times I asked a question here one day what what event through there and that taking God 10 commandments you know prayer out of the schools 10 commandments taken down all that was in that time period you know time magazine cover is God dead all that stuff what of those events, if you could look back, would you say was the the real pivotal one that opened the door for everything that followed? And rather than go through all the guessing games and stuff, I'm sure there's several options, but the one that I, I came on was the birth control pill. The introduction of the birth control pill opened the door for everything that was set up by what you were talking about, Daryl.
4: Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, so, I mean, that is a, that is a, uh, I, 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 there's a, there's going to be a pun here, and, and it's intended, I have an intended pun, pun coming, uh, so, the, the birth control, the birth control event was a seminal event, and, uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah.
3: Seminal
2: and feminal, well, it, you know, yeah. they tried
4: it, it back. Was a Remember, se- seminal event.
2: They tried to bring yeah. their New World Order in earlier in the century, and you go back to the Roaring Twenties. They had to control the money supply. They were uh, uh, loosening everybody up. They had the money spigot wide open, and it was prohibition. They had all the illegal booze. All the Jews were getting rich and building their fortunes off smuggling booze. And at that point, though, they didn't have any kind of a pill. And they had to have abortions and they were done in back alleys with coat hangers and a lot of women started dying and they weren't able to pull it off. They were able to pull it off fifty years or forty years later with technology.
4: Yeah, well the the the, the fellow that creates the birth control, uh the scientist and the supporting uh uh subsidizing of that patent and going forward in its implementation wasn't funded or invented by presbyterians no it wasn't a presbyterian problem so um <laughs> the uh the same the same characters uh you know the uh <clears throat> well, what do you call them the uh there's this, this i heard him referred to as the chicken slingers uh i'm not really <laughs> sure what that means i have to ask them, <laughs> the, the chick-
2: <laughs> That's a good one.
4: <laughs> yeah. Chicken slayers. Yeah.
2: That's like the bat, so, bat munchers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's part of their ritual. Go. in so one of those old, I think the Orthodox ritual where they sl- grab a chicken by the feet and swing it around their head three times. And I guess the Messiah is supposed to come or something. Who knows? Damn bunch of pagans.
4: Yeah. <laughs> chicken. chicken. There's slingers. a uh, chicken, the champion, champion chicken slinging contest. Uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah. anyway.
2: Oh, Lord, if we if our people could only realize how much power they got at their fingertips. Right. I mean, if we Uh, could only realize how much power we got at our fingertips, that has been fraudulently stolen away from us and a system imposed to where we've been deceived into agreeing to our servitude. How slick is that?
4: yeah well yeah it's a it's a it's a target rich environment and we have a lot of tools it's just uh you know the old saying about uh many hands makes the work easier so now look cody we need to don
2: don cody hadn't showed up here today i wonder if they spirited him off maybe Lori lightfoot called the cops on him <laughs> Well, (laughs) we'll see. Maybe he'll check in. Maybe Suzanne will bail him out. (laughs) Maybe they'll they'll set his bail. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry to laugh. You got to laugh, or sometimes you're going to cry. Okay? The absolute foolishness is going on out there to the point. They're having to take off their mask to the point that they're having to show openly that the op- upper level judiciary in the country is 100 percent totally corrupt. 100
4: percent. Yeah. Well, how many? I, I know I, I'm just I'm just asking in sort of a general way. You know, Chris and you and uh, and a number of guys here and women. Now, how many years ago was it that we predicted they would have to take off the mask? Oh, yeah, you know, this is, about it. this is something that we, t- we talked about it at at length, uh, three, four, three, four years ago, you know, that they would have to remove the mask and, and uncloak themselves. And, uh, the, the point to, in that comment is that you should, you should take that seriously. They're not playing around here. And, uh, uh according to uh, their agenda, uh, if you go to the Deagle website, uh, the Deagle.com website, uh, you know, they're predicting the uh, population of the United States or America, rather, uh, at 100 million by year 2025. And they're sticking to it. So uh, at 350 million people, that's not very good odds for the listening audience. So that might provide some some existential incentive to you, vaccine, to take here some we, of this seriously. Vaccine,
2: here we come. Yeah,
3: I think they used well, to. Let me let me yeah, turn that just ahead. a little differently. They called it taking the velvet glove off the iron fist, as I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah exactly we 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 doing.
4: used that we we've used that language here before, uh, and it's it's true. <clears throat> so. Um, I lost my thought, but crying out loud that's okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, it's a good time yeah. to poll any of the other guys and see if anybody's got any questions or comments. Take a pause and let them unmute. I think Brian's with us today; he's been lurking there in the background lately. I see jeff Brent's there, oh Brent uh daryl d I know you got the email yeah. that Brent sent us of that little plane losing its little wing and that guy doing this uh hail mary landing there uh i sent it out to a bunch of people it's a heck of a video harvey answered back he'd seen it previously and he said did you know that's faked now i haven't gone back and rewatched it and it very well may be but if somebody did uh, uh do that with miniatures and photography tricks and stuff they did a hell of a job Either way, whether it was real or otherwise,
4: they did a hell of a job. Would you agree, as a pilot? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure if I saw the video you're talking about, uh, but there are some amazing, amazing RC uh, controlled aircraft and, and videos that you, you have to be careful with. <laughs> well,
2: for the audience so, and for you, because you haven't seen it yet. And Brent is Brent's on with us, Brent Bachman. And uh, it shows an older, you know, single-wing plane kind of trick, one they do tricks with at the county fair. And he flies low, and you can see some of the things that he flies low. There's a couple of things sticking up, and he's flying between them. And he goes and starts up, and I think, I don't don't know if he's doing barrel rolls or snap rolls, I don't remember from my dad's terminology when I was young, but he goes up and starts doing some of those acrobatic stuff, and one of the wings comes off and he starts going into free fall, and it's got the camera on it, and it's showing the plane coming down, and he's trying to get control, and he finally gets control of the plane to where he got it leveled out, and it shows him coming in for a landing, and it's on its side with the tail dragging, and as the tail hits the ground, it plops over on the wheels with one wing and taxis in pretty dramatic little sequence.
6: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I'd have to, I guess I'd have to watch it, but, uh, <clears throat> there, there are certain aspects of aerodynamics that, uh, have to, there, there are preconditions there. <laughs> okay. So I'd have to watch yeah, it. You but, need to
2: watch it. I want you to watch uh, it and get your take yeah. on it. Cause it was, it's, it was like, it's as one of the, it's a wow as, factor, you know, people you send it to write, Wow. I mean, that's
4: as 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 somebody who was actually taught, and I, I've owned my own aerobatic aircraft. I've had uh, open cockpit biplanes that I actually flew and owned myself. They were oh. my aircraft. Uh, I taught aerobatics. So I flew aerobatics. Uh, I used to do a little country airport breakfast fly-in air show routine uh, in years gone by. And uh, I can assure you that if you're missing a wing, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be pretty difficult it's to a, it, do it, what you just described. It's a hairy
2: sequence, man. I mean, that's why I'd <laughs> like to get your read on it. I saw one of the History Guy yeah. pro, uh, yeah. episodes the other day on the history of the Piper Cub, which I guess was the first mass-produced, easily affordable, where people could get out there and learn how to fly and it's history and how that was used in the military well, and uh, a bunch of stuff is really interesting.
4: Yeah. The Aronca champ was another one in that period. So the, the cub and the Aronca champ, uh, were both, you know, originally 65 horse, uh, continental engines. Um, uh, they're both, they're both great little airplanes, uh, the Aronca and the uh, Cub, so flown them both, yeah. Well,
0: my
2: buddy David uh, Straight, who came up yesterday, had a had not the basic Piper, but another level up, more powerful engine. He'd put a bunch of instrumentation on it. Uh, yeah, I took well, you can trips. We flew. To you can come. you can
4: spend as much money as you want to on an airplane. Well, he a, hey, have he you ever heard? And he was. Have you ever heard passionate. how to make a small fortune in aviation? <laughs> no. Did you ever hear that? Uh uh-uh. uh you start with a large one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, that was kind of David, but he had the money and he had the passion for it. And, and I remember we took trips out of Atlanta, and he'd always have the guy that taught him, an instructor who was a friend of ours and like-minded, and it'd be the three of us, and we'd go pile in his piper, and we went to Waco uh, one year for uh, one of the initial commemoratives of the Waco incident. And then we flew up to D.C. for a big rally one time. That was really cool, getting in the plane, go out and meet at a little airport, get in the plane, go on your trip for the weekend halfway around the country. It's pretty cool. David, good guy. Um, Folks, I can't believe none of y'all have anything to add on. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff going on politically. Well...
4: (coughs) Hey, I'm I'm, I'm hey, trying Rob. to leave room here for people to jump in. Somebody's
2: <laughs> wanting to jump in. Let's see who it is. Is that you, Alan?
1: Hey. Yeah, this is this is Alan. I was just going to let you know that uh, you didn't hear much about it over the weekend, but here in Atlanta, uh, they tried to burn down the 5th Precinct in Atlanta down here over the weekend. I've not really found anything on the news about it. Uh, I think pretty much Georgia State Patrol stopped most of that, but then... They had some other problems right up here in Smyrna and Marietta there where uh, they had a bunch of kids trying to block intersections up on the major road there, Cobb Parkway and all. Right. And uh, they uh I guess they were wanting to start another rally or something. I don't know exactly what they were up to with that, but I know one of the you know uh, deputy chiefs that said that he wasn't gonna have that. He'd called all the record services around and told them to the bill stand by because if they parked the car in the road, he's going to haul it off. And, uh, so Good for them. I think they pretty much kept anything down. There didn't really, a lot of nothing go on, but there was, was attempts of it.
2: You know what I think you're seeing at this point is a lot of copycat things popping up all over the country. Cause of the publicity, some of this stuff's gotten, unfortunately, uh, And uh, so one organizer, some of these demented youth, uh, like that gal with the bullhorn in Portland going, we took out the trash. I I mean, come on, that's a demented youth. Sorry. I mean, look, I was young once, too. So were all of you. And we were wild, and we didn't know what the hell, who we were, what we were doing. But we weren't doing any kind of crap like this.
1: Yeah, no, nothing nowhere like any of this. <laughs>
2: okay. Where's the fifth precinct in town? Do you know Alan right off the bat? What part of town generally?
1: No, no, I'm not sure exactly which part of Atlanta that is uh, on the fifth precinct, but uh, they built a few new ones around recently and moved some of them. So, yeah, I have no clue where the fifth is right now. Yeah, you try and stay out of Atlanta as much as possible. I don't go in Atlanta for nothing, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I got enough sense to know where not to go. And I don't, I try to stay outside of 285 all the time. Don't go inside of 285 anywhere. That's my opinion.
2: You know, I, I used to have to go downtown Peachtree Street right down the heart of downtown every Monday for years. And uh, it wasn't as bad, of course, back then, but uh, it was still a pain in the rear end. Um, don't miss it. Don't miss it. It was a good city when I first got there. No, I, I should there, say though. not. When it was small back in the seventies, it was a nice place. It's when it went through all that rapid growth, and you know, different parts of town turned into different ethnic countries, Cambodia, and you know, all the rest of it. Um, yeah. So anyway, and the traffic in Atlanta. I mean, yeah, I remember they did a they did a survey. Somebody did a survey on the average number of miles driven per day in the world's major cities atlanteans drove the most of any city in the world on a daily basis some unbelievably amount of miles because of the setup of the city and the commute people used to have yeah yes. i don't doubt that Ooh, at all. nightmare uh let's see here if there's any good headlines anybody else nobody else has got any questions So everybody's free and filed your affidavits, and you don't have any questions about any of that. Is that right?
3: (laughs) (laughs) There was uh, a
2: rather. Oh, oh, go ahead, ahead, Amanda. Question. question.
5: Hey, well, you know, we uh, we got our paperwork notarized yesterday, so we're one step closer. And uh, just got to get our passport pictures up, uh, you know, redone, and um, and hopefully we'll get it done this week or early next week.
2: Uh, Now, let me ask you a question. This came to me. You're not going to expedite it, are you?
5: I wasn't planning on it. Should I?
2: Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't think
3: you're doing any expedited provisions these days unless you've got immediate plans. Okay. Well, uh, that's obvious. I can answer all those
7: those questions. I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is Bob.
2: Hey, Bob.
7: Uh, I was just at the downtown post office just Monday. And talk to them at the counter. <clears throat> They're real, real specific about everything. It all has to be in black ink. They won't expedite it, and I won't get it until December. And oh. it's best to get your it's best to get your uh, passport photo at the at the post office. They do them.
5: They don't do showers.
7: <laughs> oh, they do here. Well, she's
2: out in the country, so, yeah, Bob.
7: Sometimes those Walgreens and stuff are like fifteen dollars, and they're a little bit wrong or something, and it's fifteen dollars at the post office. Well, we don't have them. Um,
2: yeah, I just. Well, I had might check around and see if there's another
5: post
2: office. Do it.
5: I was just going to mail it all in myself.
2: No, no, I don't think you What's can do that. You no, you can't. Oh, Amanda, hold on! You don't just do that. You have to file your passport application through an agent.
5: Well, we have a a passport already. It's just a... I
2: I know, but you're doing a new one. You've got a a slave passport. You're getting a new free passport, okay? Mm -hmm. But here, if you'll notice on the language of the passport application, right above the oath section, have you filled out your application yet? No. Okay. When you get to the application, a couple of things. They know they never ask you, are you a U.S. national or are you a citizen? They just presume. But the one question, of the two questions they do ask you, which if you understand what's going on, stick out like a sore thumb, is were your mother and father citizens of the United States? There's the presumption set up. Okay? And so at the top above the oath, In a big band with capital letters darkened, it used to, and I'm assuming it still does, it says, stop, do not sign this document unless in the presence of an administrating official or agent. Now, in the instructions, it even goes further. If you're in one of those one-horse town post office, like you may be, they don't even have a person there that's a passport no. agent, right? No, they, that's well, correct. Well, guess what you got to do?
5: Go to another town.
2: You got to go in front of a judge to sign it.
5: Oh, well, I'll just go to another, I'll find another uh, post office that'll
2: do okay. it. Okay. Well, the point being, do you think they take this signing of this oath seriously?
5: Yeah, I guess so. Have you ever well, seen so any? What, all right,
2: here's the other question. Have you ever run across any other government situation where they required you to be in front of an agent, and if there wasn't one there, go in front of a judge to sign it? No, I
5: don't think so. Well,
2: if they take it pretty seriously, then it might be pretty special. And that's because Well,
5: so
2: is it, there anything See, that's because... Be- Let me just break for a second. That's because of what's going on. They understand the seriousness of it. We don't.
5: Right, right. Go ahead.
2: Um, what were we, we going to ask? So,
5: yeah, well, I read your book. I went over it. I looked at the passport application online. So the only thing that's strange is that one, we have to check the box that says uh, U.S. national versus.
2: No, there uh, is no, no. There's no place you do that. They're doing it all by presumption. Where okay. they tell you you can do that is in the instructions, in the printed version. It's It used to be at the top of the first page. They buried it now, is a warning. You're You're medically oriented. You know what a black box warning is. Right. Well, it's a black box warning. It's got big warning letters there, capital bolded. And it says, warning, you can attach documentation, comma, including affidavits, comma. But basically, you better not lie, and they string cite about seven or eight sections of the code there. But what that really is telling you is you can submit documents to say you're a different status, but they don't tell you like that or ask you to check anything. They do it and couch it in that imposing warning language and threatening demeanor.
5: Okay. Okay.
2: That's your get-out-of-jail-free card is the warning box uh, warning. But they put it way up in the instructions, and then they put the rest down in the application. And I'll tell you one thing they've done. You know that you're on the right track when the major government agency starts changing their public information gathering requests because of what you're teaching. And that's what's happened. They've changed the oath because of what we're teaching here okay and the way they did it was they added a couple of little agreements I agree I agree underneath your oath and one uh-huh. of them and one of them is I have read and understand the warning box on page so and so that's new they did that okay. because of what we're teaching to cover their ass
5: okay
2: okay and the other thing they did Was I started ridiculing them because of something they had in the instructions. And it was a reference to this, what I mentioned earlier, public information gathering request. Those are any agency over the 350-plus, wh- however many there are now, any time they put out a document that's considered to be a public information gathering request where they give it to the general public and ask for information has to go through the Office of Management and Budget and be issued on very strict requirements an OMB number that it fulfills all the requirements of the public information gathering request, constitutionality, all that stuff, Okay. And in that explanation, they had a real tongue-in-cheek comment, and they said, well, we're, we're dealing with an OMB number here, and sometimes this is difficult to do because our citizenship laws are very complex.
5: <laughs>
2: and when I read that and caught it the first time, I called Glenn, who was out of jail by that time, and I read it to him, and Glenn said, "I'll say they're complex. They send you to federal prison for fifteen years just for trying to teach them."
4: Huh. They've taken that out. Yeah. Okay. Um. I uh. I uh. If I might, uh, we were talking. We, you kind of started the show out with uh, Brenton and, and Ted Weiland and the uh the uh, discussion of the Constitution. So, uh, to provoke some people here, uh, you're going to be buying the book or or trying to watch. You'll be able to do a live stream. Uh, They're going to do a live stream on uh, this debate, I believe. So, here's here's the setup. And, And this is the provocative statement about the Constitution for everybody here who is a Constitution lover, so i'm going to give the i'm going to give the inciting argument here uh, the eighteen seventy one constitution is not just perfect; it is a counter revolutionary device. it and the structure of the executive branch with the courts under it are exactly how common law protections were stripped away by corporate statutes for Pete's sake. Read Thomas Paine on this issue. The U.S. Constitution was a bait-and-switch drafted by liars at a convention empowered only to make recommendations on the Articles. That's a proven fact. This is a basic understanding of how sovereign human rights were replaced by civil rights, ding, 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 which are just codified privileges. It's truly a crime that so many revere a document that was conspiratorially crafted but one but with one purpose to betray the American revolution and the people so that's a uh <clears throat> I, I dare say that if brent was present i could get a response but
2: <laughs> well you mentioned something about 1871 and that's not the original constitution that's the one post no, no. the yeah. war that brought in the civil yeah. law as you uh, so accurately said on here yeah. one day and that yeah. what you just read yeah. buttresses that totally, okay?
4: Yeah. Well, the the premise there's the so so the, it's really important for people to understand that there's not just one uh, constitution, and we're dealing with liars, and uh, and people that equivocate and obfuscate and uh, use semantics, and they do it over generations, and uh, nothing to see here move along. And so— um, what I find
2: interesting, too, is looking at that as a genesis point, the, those decades back in that century, and you saw Reform Judaism being founded by the Rothschilds in the eight, late 1830s, you saw them take up and start nurturing Cyrus Schofield, who came up earlier in the broadcast. Yeah. About the same time. Are you familiar with Cyrus Schofield yeah. and his wonderful book, Amanda? Oh
5: yes. Okay. Grew up good. with
2: okay.
4: Baptist Church. Roger. Yes. Roger. Yes. What well, What's the? I'm I'm not playing stump to chump here, but do you? Does it come to mind what a what is a different name for Reform Judaism? What would we What else would we call it? Reform Judaism, Zionism. Uh, okay. Um, uh, it's it, it is, yeah. it, it is Reform Judaism is Zionism, but it's its foundation is Sabbateanism. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So the foundations the foundations for Zionism are are Sabbatianism, Frankism, uh, redemption through sin, and uh, these are the people. That facilitated Schofield. Yep, and uh, and uh, it, it subsidized him, provided the logistics, and the, the original Schofield Bible was printed in in Oxford, England, at the Oxford uh, Printing uh, uh, Press, w- which was the first time that had ever been done. No, uh, not only so that, how much-
2: but then the Oxford Press. Set up their first bookstores in America exclusively to sell the new Schofield Bible.
4: So, the, yeah. So the the logistics of the warfare—it's an information warfare. There's a war on reality, and the weapons are words. Yep. Yep. And so sure. they what what they did is that uh, who are they? Well, the uh, the the the, uh, the people that are working for the Rothschilds. The Rothschilds funded this. Okay. Okay. They, they funded it. It's been funded. You're, you're experiencing at this present point in time. If you're looking at events, you're confused. You have to understand. This. You have to have some working understanding of the process.
2: And that's where I was going, Daryl, is if you want to understand why these people are so f- historical and fanatical at this point, is because they got a, a agenda they've been working on for over 150 years to fool us that's unraveling in front of their eyes. And if they don't go for it right now, they'll never have another chance. I think that's their thinking, and I believe that's my thinking.
4: Well, I, as, uh, as, we can, as we've said in the past, uh, we predicted this several years ago. I remember conversations right here where we talked about it, and I said, I'm looking forward to it because they're going to make mistakes. Yep. And when they make mistakes, here's your opportunity. I mean, folks, they're making a
2: lot of mistakes right before the show. I was watching the the whole David Ike, 12 minutes of that speech this weekend. And I mentioned it yesterday. I've been in this a long time, man. And 25 years ago, there weren't very many lights at the end of any tunnels. There wasn't very many. Okay. And everybody thought these guys were totally infallible even though they didn't understand their foundations are built on fraud and sand. Okay. And you're seeing it come to the forefront right now and they're freaking out about it because they know it. They've spent all these generations and all this effort to try and control this world. And they were within a Hillary Clinton election of getting it done. They were that close.
4: Yeah. Well, listen, if, if you're in a, if you're in a fist fight, uh, which i don 't imagine many of the women here have been in, but I imagine Ooh, maybe I a few a have, but uh, uh, but the guys you know if you 're in a fist fight or a wrestling match you you always look for the opportunity when the opponent makes a mistake yep okay yeah uh, if you 're in a courtroom you you always looking for your opponent in that courtroom to make a mistake if you're it 's a family family gathering and having a, a strong discourse and conversation or maybe even an argument, you look for your, your adversary or your opposition in that conversation to make a mistake, okay? Well, here it is, folks. They're, they're making their mistakes. And, and are you prepared to take advantage of it? Okay? Uh, so – but we haven't, we haven't heard Doug lately in a long, We haven't I mean, heard not, from Doug well, from Alabama, uh, Arkansas in a long yeah. time. And, yeah. and uh, he, so he would understand that metaphor because he's, he's ornery we, and used you, to be a fighter.
2: I so. was thinking, you know, I mentioned how people drift in and out of here. Russ Rosser as an example, Daryl. Uh, Robert from up there. Uh, but we hadn't heard from Chuck in a while. You know, our, our buddy in Oklahoma, Chuck the beekeeper. Uh, I don't know what's going on with him. I get an email or a contact from him occasionally, but well, yeah. people, you know, I, I know that things happen in people's yeah. lives and they distract you and you got something you need to take care of and you lose contact and attention and focus and all yeah. that stuff. And maybe you'll drift back
4: in like our buddy Kay well, and her husband, Paul. I, I always, I always miss Chuck's, uh, calling in and his comment. He always has a stinging commentary, <laughs> you know?
2: Speaking of, I guess some of those hornets, those man-killing hornets, have shown up out there in the Northwest here recently. So they're predicting there may be a swarm of them out there. If you're in that part of the country, first of all, I'm sorry. And second of all, keep a lookout for the hornets.
3: Speaking of, in uh, Portland, apparently they have federalized the state police and are going to try to put down this anarchist, so-called fascist well, termed anti-fascist takeover of Seattle and Oregon and those places up in there.
2: I was proud of the state police in Oregon yesterday, and they said came out and said we're not going back down there. They're putting our people at risk. People are getting hurt. There's a, a, a risk of, of worse than that. We arrest people, we put them in jail, and you let them right back out on the streets, and we ain't going to participate anymore.
3: Here, here. They
2: are having yeah, I had to a... take the mask off. And every time it exposes how damn Nancy Pelosi ugly they are. Good God. You want to talk about something that will yeah. make you shiver like a dog passing a persimmon seed. If they don't get this election straightened out by January 21st, Nancy Pelosi is the president.
3: That's a fate worse if than they, hell.
2: If that doesn't give you cold chills. You better see if you can frost a mirror.
3: Yeah.
4: Well, you, you made a comment, which I'd like to capitalize on, with a with a personal anecdote. Last year, I was in the Napa auto parts store, buying some parts. In walks the uh, Central Alabama uh, police officer. Young guy, got to be in his 30s. Yeah, low 30s. He's a nice young man. Uh, every appearance, and uh, being the kind of guy I am, I sort of engaged him in con uh, in uh social intercourse conversation, yeah, social intercourse. And um, the uh, I I steered the conversation around to the idea and the concept of civil asset forfeiture. He says, Oh, yeah, 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 we do that all the time. He says, Yeah, that's a good thing, and uh, of course. I, I am having this conversation in front of the owner of the store and his son and a couple other people. So I, I, I try to get an audience and there there wasn't a fight. I said, oh yeah, yeah. How's that work out? And he goes, well, he says, oh, we get a lot of money out of that. And I says, well, what about, what about all these, he's, I said, the the drug situation around here. I says, how come these people end up out on the street? He says, oh yeah. He says, we just catch them in and release them, then go catch them again. I said, why is that? And you'll never believe what he said. He just said it straight-faced. He said it straight-faced, didn't miss a beat, didn't think anything was wrong. He goes, yeah, we make money at that.
3: And I must point out, that is specifically the issue with the Joint Terrorism Task Force and giving a little bit of credence to um, the terror factory by Trevor Aronson. Whenever you can put the label of a terrorist on an innocent man, then you can sit back and look at porn and visit your girlfriend on duty and uh, go to dinner and lunch in the gym and all those things. And you can chalk it all up to investigating a terrorist and get paid egregious, unjust enrichment, theft of the American people's money under artifice schemes and devices of fraud, therefore felony criminal conversion of our money to their interest, making them revenue agents yeah and moving the money from our pockets to their pockets
2: Chris you make some progress on your suit yesterday
3: well I was actually in somebody else's court yesterday and I did send some papers out the day before we'll find out what the fallout is from this criminal federal court out here remember this is where uh, Gloria Navarro, ...from the bench, aided a bit of the prosecution until she got called on the carpet and had to exonerate the Bundys from their alleged charges of conspiracy to overthrow the federal government and all that other stuff... ...and find uh, prosecutorial abuse of discretion on Stephen Myrie, the DOJ, uh, U.S. attorney here, and that they had egregiously abused their discretion, had hidden evidence... Covered up, failed to disclose and discover and comply with Brady and Giglio and other malicious abuses of discretion by the prosecution in the case. So they had to drop it against Bundy. And I was there the day he walked out. That's part of why they hate me so much.
2: It sounds like she Chris, might be a candidate Chris. for the D.C. Circuit Court. You know, they had two votes
4: against that. I'm sure they'd like to get that down to one. Yeah. Uh, hey, Chris, when 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 that case when she when navarro dismissed that she did that with prejudice. explain that would you for everybody she she dismissed with prejudice
3: that means that they can come the Bundys can come back and sue the government for what they did to them that's what with prejudice extreme prejudice in fact in that matter I think
4: yeah now that's that's a big deal. How often does that happen huh?
3: Nearly never. Right. Didn't want. So there the must one of the high Bundy's, level
4: malfeasance. Of, high level malfeasance. One of the Bundys got arrested this past
2: weekend up in Idaho. Does anybody know much about that? Ammon Bundy, I believe.
4: He was passing counterfeit potatoes. Yeah.
2: He was he was uh, standing up against GMO, and they arrested him. And I didn't. I saw the article, but I didn't read into it and stuff. I sent it to the Idaho Spuds out there. I think yeah. they were
4: surprised. Well, you know, it, if the if the federal government, which, by the way, every time, for everybody listening, to reinforce these lessons, your 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 vernacular and how it connects to your brain every time you hear one of us or you see somebody use the word federal every time just condition yourself to do this every time you hear the word federal say contract contract If federal means contract yep. they want It's contract. Federal means contract. A U.S. federal government is a contract government. And you didn't have to sign it either, baby. Yeah, it's all it it means it's the explicit definitions associated with the word federal and not my interpretation. This is exactly what it is. It's not some warm, fuzzy, feel-good, organic, natural aspect of living on the land in America, the home of the free, the land of the slave. Oh, It's it's a business deal.
2: You're born in an invisible contract that's based on fraud that you're tricked into agreeing with and giving them your consent your whole life.
3: I would add that contract is correct, but it's actually the whore of Babel. Posed as yeah. a corporate government that's what the horror of Babylon is is the corporation in my estimation
4: well you well, Chris your vernacular is just spectacular you know I mean I think it's know, not it's just, just <laughs> I think it's that's not very just
2: good. a corporation it's the combination of cor- corporations being manipulated with their aspects of that entity used and shaded to the perpetrator's advantage
4: Right. So uh, at, at this point in the uh, devolution of this uh, experiment here on this place, w- what you are actually experiencing is real fascism. Yeah, okay? It is. It is. You, you, you actually are living under federal government. The contract government has uh, uh, ex- uh, monastotized, you know, that's a cancer term, monastotized into a, a totally fascist uh, contractual corporate uh, monolith. Yep. And, and so the reason I bring this, I use this word explicitly with this, uh, this United States system is so that you're not, your brain isn't played with when you hear the words antifa and that like they're anti-fascist, uh, nothing could be further from the truth. All right, Here so uh, unless you, unless you can identify the the players in the games and how they 're perverting the language and twisting it and the the they they call themselves and they say certain things for specific reasons, and this is to play with your brain your Daryl, perspective let 's go back
2: to the origins and the history of that you sent me something an email yesterday about it. I knew yeah. a little bit about it. Uh, you can go back the original antifa was a group formed in. Uh, Germany uh, primarily of communists that were against the fascists of Nazi Germany now my question is the the Jews and Hitler were aligned in the early days and they were financing him until he turned on them and started taking over and manipulating the the monetary supply of, of using basic human hours as the basis of the monetary supply and sent Germany through that miraculous five-year recovery period and kicked those users' bankers out. Is that when Antifa started, when he kicked the bankers out, I think is my question. Uh,
4: that's a good question. Is that exactly when it started? Uh, Right in
2: that? I I don't know exactly, but I'm just trying to put those timelines and overlay them and see if that isn't the
3: reason. Jeffrey Bennett has been uh, extolling the history or Haas story of fascism or fascists, as they call them. And this is not a coincidence because George Soros, a.k.a. Georgi Schwartz, the Hungarian so-called Jew, those who call themselves Jews but are not at the synagogue of Satan, who is obviously part of the deep state COINTELPRO special operations Otherwise, he would have been arrested and publicly executed long, long ago for his economic and other types of terrorism crimes against the the world's countries and attacking their currencies like he's doing to the dole liar here in America right now. But this is this corp real fascism that we're seeing here. It is real true fascism. And this is the this is the corporate tyrant's. These techno crazies who are perpetrating these frauds and lies on the world to try to extort money out of all of us and to do a global shakedown.
2: Well, you know, it seems to me that communism is not their ideal form of government because it takes away personal incentive and they got to ride herd over the slaves and all the rest of the stuff. They they can't get any good production out of that system because the people have no incentive. But at least in fascism, there's incentive because people are still being personally rewarded for running the corporations which are embedded with the state. Well, that's what
3: Sovietization
2: the, is. The that's what
3: Sovietization is. It's self interest. Right. Well, the term was coined by Mussolini.
2: He's the one that identified it as fascism. And uh, that is our. Our traditional enemy's favorite form of government is this fascist model. That's what the Zionists were, are. They perpetrated it. Look what the hell they did
4: in the Middle East when they moved well, down there. this, uh, I've done a, I've done a little work and a little research on this, digging into the uh, understanding of the fasci, and uh, which are, is part of the symbology of the United States and. Uh, you know, you can you can project a good connotation on it, but it's not good. It uh, y- being a part of the fasci means that you just got harvested. <laughs> you got bundled up. Well, you know, yeah, wrapped up in a can bundle. You take the dialectic it's of a, that. It, it is, it is fascist. You could you take
2: know, the dialectic so. of that and apply it to us, though, as a bunch of strong reeds with an axe that are bound together, yeah. because we're strong in a I, different way on know, an individual level and not on a collective level of, uh,
4: uh, of the way that, that that is being formulated.
3: Aren't those, uh, I,
4: uh, I understand. I understand the principle, but it might be it might be a, a bit. Sophisticated for the common man
3: Yep. Yeah well (laughs) Aren't those bundled The ones that are sitting there Off the Roman Sinate Which is a deep dark hole uh, Of governance of the Roman system Of the raw man system The son man of God It's the ones that are sitting
2: behind the podium In the senate well Carved into the wood A deep dark hole As I said
4: Well, it's uh, listen. The good news here is, is out of all this
2: doom and gloom and history and dark stuff, the good news is, you can get out of it. You can remove yourself from it, but you got to take action. You got to have some knowledge, and and hopefully, it's something you want to start incorporating into your life and having it change your life and be able to affect others. That's the ideal here.
4: So so uh, you, you brought that. We, we talked on that briefly last week or touched on it or something, and I, <clears throat> I uh, keep using the term uh, actionable intelligence is what we try to promote here, do our best, actionable intelligence. What's the, uh, what's the opposite of that? What's the dialectic of that? Well, it's uh, inactionable information. Acquiescence, inactionable, inactionable acquiescence. Well, it, it, yeah, well, that's the that's the effect. That's the effect of inactionable information. That's that's the effect. Now, where do you receive inactionable information? Uh, you receive inactionable information from Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, this other guy, I can never remember his name. A little goofy Mormon guy, uh, and on uh, all, all these, all these talking heads, so-called conservative uh, pundits, you receive inactionable information, which will agitate you, it will infuriate you, you will become emotional, and you have nowhere to go with it. Can I quote something? That is inactionable information. We will have. Yeah. Well, we please. will
2: get them yeah. arguing over issues of little difference. Protocols of the yeah, Merle. Merle design. send
4: us the yeah. Mer, Mer has it right there. Mer has Mer has the exact spot and reference. Mer is the expert on the protocols. No question about it. And and that is exactly in their book. And that's exactly what they've done. So so here we talk about. Uh, actionable intelligence, uh, and so, so knowledge is not intelligence. Information is not intelligence. Actionable intelligence is information turned into knowledge that is then analyzed and processed, vetted and verified, which then makes it actionable. And that's what you get here.
2: That's well, what we try and provide. So- uh, an open forum because we understand the maze, the mental maze that people have to go through here because of your conditioning and the way you've always been brought up, the way you've always related to life in this system that you were just acclimated into, really, as you as you aged. And uh, maybe you had suspicions earlier in your life, a time or two, that something wasn't quite right. And what we do is confirm all that and show you how you can remove yourself from it. And I do it with a lot of zeal. Um, I, you guys don't pay me a whole bunch of money to do this, okay? And uh, But I'm here as a duty to try and help others. And the base reason is because of what John Benson used to say on that stage. And it was applicable then, and it's applicable even more so now. The only way I can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours. And most of you didn't even know what the hell it was before you started hanging around here.
4: Well, I, I have to. I have to follow that up with. You never do anybody a favor for, by doing for them what they should do for themselves. So let's be clear. There ain't nobody here going to do this for you. We can't.
2: <laughs> I can't do it for you. I can't sign your no. affidavit notar and get it notarized.
4: There's, there's, there's a lot of. There's more and more new people here all the time. All the time. And uh, wonderful! It's wonderful how this is sort of uh, uh, started to uh, grow. You know, new new uh, blossoms popping out. Yep. Uh, we we kind of have to bring that in for people to understand that this is a this is a personal action event on your part. So,
2: uh, I wanted to ask a question. I got an email from Tom Shram, and he said he couldn't get in calling in on the phone sequence when he put the pin number in. Have any of y'all called in today? No. Sorry, sorry, DJ. Can't talk to you when I'm on the air, dear. Uh, did anybody call in today, or is everybody using the Jitsi app? Jitsi. Jitsi. Okay. Well, that's the best way, and that's what I was going to plug, and that's what I wrote back to Tom, is just go to your app store and uh, find Jitsi Meat, M-E-E-T, and download it, and when you get it downloaded, it's a very simple procedure. In the search, you put PPN Studio, and it'll save it for you. So every time you want to come in the future, you just see that and hit PPN Studio, and it locks you right into the uh, discussion here, and it also brings you in totally digitally, which helps everybody out. So um, any other? I did call in. I'm on the phone. Okay. you guys can hear me. Yeah, we can. Yeah. The other day
7: it wouldn't work. It said code not accepted or, but today it did. And then I hung up and called back in and it worked again.
2: Okay. Well, that's what I told Tom. They had a hiccup or two in the last few days dropping people. And obviously yeah. they have technical problems too. So, uh, hopefully they've gotten it straight out. It looks like people are holding today. So you got anything, anybody else. want to take us in a direction or something on your mind you want to mention?
1: Well Roger, I was going to bring up Tom there earlier. Uh, okay. i spoke with him this morning. And you he did? was wondering, have y'all been over and looked at that website, uh, the state's assemblies of I his?
2: I don't know that I did. Uh, I might have glanced at it, but I didn't look at it in any, any depth. Give us your overview of it, Alan.
1: Yeah, uh, it's got a lot of information on it, but it's a, I, I don't know. I spoke with Tom, like I said, for a few minutes this morning, kind of quick. And he said he was going to, uh, I got him my an email now so he could send me some more information. But, uh, he's, he said something to the effect though that he, he thinks the passports are all for federal citizens and that's all anyway.
2: Well, it tells you right different on there. So, you know, Tom, Tom's got some disagreements. He, he's always been wanting to fight this in court as a lot of us did early on. He's never, I don't know, really accepted what we did. Him and I have had verbal battles on the air that this is the feudal system. No, it's not. Tom wants to go in and it says this here and it says this over here and go in through the statutes and fight all that stuff from the bottom up. And he hadn't had a lot of success. He's had some success. He's been able to hold them off, but he hasn't had any real resounding success. And uh, it's just something we disagree on at some point. Everybody's got to take your own formulations and the decisions you come to and move forward with it.
1: Uh. Okay. Well, but on the, on the other, though, as far as that states assemblies thing, that's uh, that's a kind of a different concept where he's you know, trying to get all the states together to be. Uh, I'm not exactly sure because I haven't got far enough into it. but well, I have come.
3: some knowledge about that, if you like. That's the Nation States Assembly. That's Hannah von Reich's uh, group, if you will.
1: Right. And yes.
3: they're trying to restore the common law grand juries in the counties around the country and to get enough to restore true American common law through our country instead of these bar hijacked courts. From all the way from the cities, the counties, the states, the municipalities, and the Supreme Court is all bar-run stuff these days. So you got their bar policies and codes, and they're really a warring force sent here to destroy this country and doing a damn fine job of it.
2: Well, I wish them a lot of luck. Big undertakings like that in this community are are pretty hard to accomplish is the experience I've seen and watched other people try to do stuff like this. I think you got to do it at a local level. They're trying to do it on a national level. It's hard enough doing it at a local level, isn't it, Daryl?
4: It it is, but uh, this, Alan uh, and uh, Chris, Chris, you know, we all have a little part of this right here. So there's a... There's a you break this up into a, a pie graph, and in order to uh, reorganize a, a a constitutional county or a common law county, you have to have individuals that meet the criteria that we're talking about right here. Okay, so <laughs> U.S. citizens can't do, cannot do. They don't have the standing status or capacity to do what. Uh, It requires in order to reconvene those offices, reoccupy those offices. All right. So it takes it takes a a critical mass of individuals like you, Alan, and uh, myself and others who go through this process to coalesce into a slightly bigger unit that at which point meets the uh, criteria in order to found. Uh, occupy those offices and uh, uh, achieve uh, what you want to have is scope, view, purview, and prerogative. You know, well, as an individual, you, you can't do that because those, all those offices can't be occupied. So these are the, you got to take the baby steps in order to get to the, the bigger steps.
1: Right. You so, have to build the ground yeah. from the ground up on all this. Yeah. yeah. You'd have you to have got to have I a gotta go back.
2: Breath. You know, they put the trick and the hook at the front of everything. It's what we're learning, okay, becoming aware of. And they got the hook right there when you're born, man, over with this verification of fact sheet. And from then on, you're under the presumption. Period. Yeah, let me, let me take still, a poll here. I got a new um, guy, F.P. there. Is that who I think it might be? Uh, F.P.? It says Fat Pat on the.
3: Uh, (laughs) that's a cute moniker
2: (laughs) well he doesn't want to own up to it I was thinking that might be our mutual friend Daryl
3: here's something for you that I think could be intriguing now Ralph uh, did a Westlaw word search on it while I was on the thing he says it's not printed this way in the current version of west law and i uh, countered with i think there's some substantial reason to be suspect of those uh, deletions and obfuscations and spoilation of the the truth and the actual citations but this case is pretty interesting it's called wheeling steel Corp. versus fox and it goes down at several citations but 56 supreme court 773 it says therefore The U.S. citizens residing in one of the states of the Union are classified as property and franchisees of the federal, as we spoke of before, the corporate um, government. And uh, they
2: they use franchisees there very freely, interchangeably. You could put property in there just as easily. Yeah, franchise means
3: licensees. Idea. And that's why U.S. citizens can't do those things, because they are severely disabled, because that's an invention of Congress under and, the so-called they're the ones They're movement. the ones
2: that okayed the bankruptcy and set themselves up as trustees to oversee in bankruptcy, elected by the franchisees, the new property, the new serfs for which we also had to build a whole system of law called the administrative state with these administrative agencies that make the rules and enforce them on the new serfs, the new property.
4: Yeah. Okay. So we we cover some important stuff here, and there's just enough time here to sort of cover this a little bit for the new people. And just a real, there's a foundation to everything that we talk about, you have to understand, when Chris is talking, he's talking at what would be, he's relatively ten. speaking, uh, and I mean no insult to you at all, Chris, you, you're, you're, he talks at a Ph.D. level of the School of Hard Knocks, okay? He's <laughs> he, ten, he, California. he has been through it, and he knows it. Let and me... So, can I set to up? to give you some foundation I just want to provide a little foundation okay. for for that right. okay uh the word the word resident we talk, talked about it but i i want i want to give you reference to this resident is a derivative okay the word there's there are root words associated with resident, and Res in black's law is, is follows the subject matter of a trust or a will. That is you. You are the subject matter of a trust or will if you're because you're a res. In the civil law, it means a thing or object. You are an object. Now you're a resident in Rem, in Rem. I N R E M in REM in law means a technical term used to designate the proceedings or actions instituted against the thing. And, and that's what you are as a resident. And that's where their remedy is. If you don't do your duty as a resident, they have a remedy in REM.
2: Well, you said something I want to uh, 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 go into a bit. You said you're the object. Well, like you said, you're the thing. You you you're you, the, you are an object. You're an object. Object. An object of what? People's property rights. Somebody else's
4: property rights. You're the, the thing. The, and and their property rights. Yeah, their property rights are based in a trust.
2: Um, Let me buttress what you're saying here, for those of you who might not have heard this. Uh, Alan and Amanda, y'all familiar with uh, James Traficant, now deceased? I've heard of him. I don't think
5: so.
2: Well, he was a a sheriff up in Upper Ohio. I'm not sure what district. I think Upper Ohio. And he ran for Congress. Youngstown. Youngstown. He ran for Congress, and he, he got elected. And he was unbelievably popular in his district. And his wife was a hairdresser. And he used to always have come out on the floor of the house with these hairdos that you almost wouldn't believe. And he'd start every speech out with, beam me up, Scotty. And they hated him because he went over. There was one of these uh, Auschwitz guards that they were trying to persecute, and they smuggled him out of the United States. He was in the United States. I believe he was in trafficants district. And they smuggled him to Israel and Traficant went to Israel and got him acquitted at the Israeli Supreme Court and buddy I they I think hated that was him for that. The, the the was his name yep. so this is Jim Tra, this is Jim Traficant on the floor of the House of Representatives
8: Mr. Speaker for purposes of debate only I yield 5 minutes to the gentleman from Ohio
0: Mr. Traficant The gentleman from Ohio is recognized for 5 minutes without objection we are here now in Chapter 11. Members of Congress are official trustees presiding over the greatest reorganization of any bankrupt entity in world history, the U.S. government. We are setting forth, hopefully, a blueprint for our future. There are some that say it's a coroner's report that will lead to our demise. I'm going to support the rule I'm not sure yet if I will support this budget. I want to hear an awful lot more, not being a member of the committee, and I'm not going to vote for things I don't understand or don't like. But let there be no mistake. After 12 years of Ronald Reagan and George Bush, we're standing here. And Let me say this to the minority party. Every program Ronald Reagan wanted in 1981, he got. Reagan got it. There was a Republican yeah, Senate I'll majority. Stop that!
2: He's going to get into and the there... politics of it. You heard the meat of it at the front. He's sitting in the floor of the House. This is not those special orders where there's nobody behind him when they're when they're saying stuff. He's at the floor of the House and he's announcing that to the whole House of Representatives seated, getting ready to vote on a budget. Now, folks like Ralph Winery. Can still say, I don't know where that noise is coming from. Let me see if I can figure out where that's coming from. Uh, Ralph Winterroot and people say, I guess because they can't find it in a statute, that we're not in bankruptcy. All right, take a seat. Dead gummit. I'm trying to find my my little platform here again. Uh, But there it is right there from the horse's mouth, a member of the body saying it in open House of Representative Proceedings. So uh, for those of you who hadn't heard that, there we are. Okay. For those of you who hadn't heard that before, it's right there from the horse's mouth. Unfortunately, M- Mr. Traficant uh, left us uh, a while back. I don't remember the circumstances of his death, but he was quite vocal. They sent him to federal prison. Uh, the guy that was at the Justice Department, where's that coming from? The guy that's at the Justice Department that sent him up, was um devil man Cher- chernoff what was his name chris turn Cher- chernoff the uh, uh, oh come on you guys help me out it, his name meant devil man right. in
3: russian he's that the is, that's the former first head of the department of homeland he, security he, right. and Michael f- Chernoffe chernoff, and before that,
2: guess what he was? He was the head of criminal investigations at the DOJ when they prosecuted Mr. Uh, Traficant.
4: And he, he was a Presbyterian?
2: Yeah, he's a Presbyterian. Okay. In, in fine standing.
6: Uh, yeah. Can I intervene for a minute? Yeah, totally. Oh, hey, John. Yeah, I saw you pop on there, bro. Yeah, listen, I wanted to kind of clarify a little bit about Anna's situation as I understand it. That noise is coming from an A, a red A. Uh, it keeps popping in there. That's amazing. Anyway, um, what she's doing is reconstituting the, the state actual state governments. And it turns out that you need approximately 75 people. This is the information I sent you on Jennifer Goodwin, where he's uh, helping to educate people step by step, um, putting it in a format where people can uh, self-educate themselves. Also, um, it turns out that it's very clear that the – corporate government actually says that they're not holding any elections for the actual state officers uh they're all state of uh officers mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. you can reconstitute this and you can take control back now wow. I, that's why i sent you guys all three of you I sent daryl i sent chris and i sent you roger the nevada state's assembly orders to the governor Okay it was it's a really well written document. You really should read that thing this is This is going on all around the country. This is not something uh, that is um not uh, taking the root in people now they go much further than you do because you stop at the national status and they go further and setting themselves up as a state citizen versus a national. The national is exactly as you say it is state citizen level that they have developed here is an international designation to do international business. They've already got contracts with uh, the Pope, the Queen, and the City of London. Uh, They've been internationally recognized already. We can literally reconstitute our state governments through the counties, and it's the county level up. We have regular meetings, regular discussions. uh, Things are going on. Um, This thing is taking root. The people can, and Sheriff Mac is, is, is somewhat on board already, too, uh, along with getting a hold of the sheriffs. We literally can have our own grand juries and have our own uh, structure uh, stepping out of the corporate government through the national statement. And now we can govern ourselves and tell these people what they're doing because they are our employees. They are not the actual government. So I urge you guys to look at this stuff in a lot more depth because this thing's moving on with or without you but it's everything you're talking about and more. You're actually taking action and taking control as we can do under the original Constitution. We're doing it. Well, John, uh, Brian,
4: uh, Amanda, John, let me see if I can I have,
2: Amanda, that that interference is coming from you. Could I get you to throw your mute on, dear? She laughed. I hope she, got, this she, I I hope I she did. No, there she is. Hey, Brian.
8: Hey, I got a, just a uh, and don't, no disrespect here, but I'm, I'm going to say this. Uh, I'm all, I, I respect Anna and I, you know, I've, I've gotten a little few little things from her, but I'm just going to be blunt that this, there no national solutions going to do anything. And, you know, it's my opinion, whether you agree with me or not, this is an individual. Uh, it's an individual initiative. And the fastest thing that can happen is these big groups uh, get co-opted and infiltrated, and I will say this about Anna Anna Vaughn writes, She says that she's in contact with the Pope. Bullshit. She also says that she believes in alien, uh, an alien mothership that is above us. That's that they're in contact with, etc. Um,
6: she does say very, that.
8: Yeah, there's some very strange, bizarre. There are,
6: shit. however, the county by county reconstruction of your actual government can happen and yeah, it doesn't that's, have that's, to be on every single state at the same time.
7: time.
8: Yeah,
6: that was done away with a long time ago. No, it's still there. Ainsworth. Now look, there John is,
2: John's correct because John Ainsworth in North Carolina has proved this, Brian. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I need to get call him and get him on the air cuz he's okay. been doing this up there about 15 years. This has right. taken off
8: yeah, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just I'm just putting my two cents in that there's some strange stuff that that uh, wraps around Anna that I we'll say afraid. it with
6: a smile
3: Brian. <laughs>
8: I, 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 pay, I hold no I don't I'm not here to please anybody either. I just absolutely because people should people should know who they get involved with and who they follow. Not knocking her in any way. They do.
6: They need to go read the documents. They they need to read the statements. They need to learn. This is what Jennifer Goodwin has done for everybody in in, in a tremendous way. She's put together websites and locations where you can literally read all of this stuff step by step. It's very clear. Uh, Nobody's holding anybody's uh, feet to the fire. You've got to read it and decide for yourself, just like here.
8: Yep. What was, uh, just state real quick, what is her website? What's her name? Just so, because I would like to research a little bit. Well, it's but. the
6: American States Project. And if you, Jennifer Goodwin's is, I think it's SBB America. Is that, did yeah. you know, Chris? I sent you guys an email with this information. So the websites and the links are there. So you can check it out.
8: Hey, Roger, can you forward that on to me, please?
3: If I can find so it. this. Is, this is very similar to the same things he uh, Roger mentioned. John Aidsworth down, I think you said Georgia. No, also North Eric Carolina. Madsen in North, North, Carolina. North Carolina. Okay, North Carolina. My apologies. Uh, Eric Madsen also tried to restore the uh, Dujour Republic in Colorado. And, and Michigan tried it things. too,
2: Chris. The bunch up in Michigan tried it too, huh? right?
3: That's exactly right. Michigan's got a pretty hot group up there. And that's a, a part of an offshoot of Judge Anna's efforts also. There was some troubles with John Derash's uh, operation up there a.k.a. John Dvorak uh, bar attorney that uh, you know created some perfuffle. but they had some really great information on their sites. You know, This is the thing. When you mix a lot of truth and throw in a few uh, untruths with it, it can be very dis- difficult for those who don't have the spirit of discernment and the love of the truth written on their hearts, in my estimation.
6: And the other thing that Ralph has done is actually he's gone after the courts and the whole construction of the tax system and how they're doing all this stuff. And he has uncovered incredible uh, Supreme Court cases that uh, answer everything. And, and he's been putting that out. He's discovering so much, he, he needs to write it down and quit talking about it. But he is in briefs. He's actually... Very much involved in these IRS cases, and he's doing pretty doggone good. Um, you know, I'm what trying to keep up with all, this, all
2: this. What I take away from it is the death of a thousand cuts. Exactly,
6: but, but this is happening right now in this in the country right now, because these. I'll tell you what. What's going on here is accelerating what these guys have been doing because they finally have a way to literally take control of this situation. You know, it was amazing to talking with the sheriff the other day. We went in and talked to his chief lieutenant uh, about controlling uh, what's going on with all of this stuff. And they really don't know what's going on. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're all about to be hit with a whole bunch of information they didn't even know existed. They don't which, know
2: any more of go- what's going on than you did years ago before you got in.
6: Exactly.
2: Well, guys, pretty good discussion today. I hope we didn't leave any unanswered questions on the table. If that were the case, then we can deal with them tomorrow. Cause we'll well, I be hope back. you do,
6: because that will bring them back. Yeah.
2: And, uh, yeah, we started off. As, the audience has been getting bigger, and we got new folks, and people are inspired, and other people are inquisitive and asking questions maybe, and... Get them over here. We'll see if we can educate them. See if they're the right caliber person, because it certainly takes the right person here. And uh, all of you that fit that bill, I just really appreciate all of you. Uh, As I said, great show. Only only way you guys
6: are turning me into another.
2: Well, only way I can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours. And with virtually all of you, I've got to educate you what it is from the top bottom up, and you get a good foundation and. We'll let this behemoth from Babylon fall on its own sword, and we'll be there to maybe pick up the pieces and rebuild. So uh, that's the object. Glad y'all are along for the ride. We'll see you tomorrow, and we'll ride again.
3: Mother, hasta la vista.
2: Lay that body down. Silver.
0: up the side.